Yeah, Paul Schrader. Paul Schneider. <laughs> okay. I'll just include all this because I'm editing. Um, yeah, I guess I was kind of like a little bit reluctant to talk about this because... I mean, I guess I could talk about it without giving away spoilers because I really think that people should see this movie. Okay. But something happened that has not happened in a very, very long time and it made me angry. So I went to see, uh, recently, with friend of the podcast, Michael Kelly, we both went to see First Reformed, which is the new Paul Schrader movie. He's the guy who wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. And um, this is one that he's written and directed. And um, it stars Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. And Ethan Hawke plays a priest who runs this kind of small church in a small town. And um, Amanda Seyfried comes to him and says, "My, I'm pregnant. My boyfriend doesn't think we should have the baby because he doesn't want to bring the baby into a world that is as awful as this. Could you go talk to him and convince him that it's 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 a good you know it's a good idea to have a baby that there's you know you should do that." He's like, "Yeah, of course." So he goes and he meets with uh, this this young guy and. They have this like insanely riveting conversation about the state of the world, and it's fascinating. And this conversation like really kind of shakes Ethan Hawke's some of Ethan Hawke's beliefs in the world, right? And um, again, I don't want to spoil too much, so I don't want to get too into plot details. But from there, things kind of spiral, and I cannot stress enough how much I was loving the film, in love with it. Like, I would say, until what I'm about to say, I would say it was, like, close to my film of the year. Wow. I just found it so fascinating, so rare in the conversations that... Because it is kind of just... It's it it, it's very much like a character study movie, but it is all about him kind of discussing religion and faith and stuff with other people. And um, I thought it was so interesting. And I really do think it's a great film for 97% of it. Oh... <laughs> Because the film, I, I don't, I think what happened is, I think they wrote themselves into a very strange corner. They couldn't figure out exactly how they wanted to end it. So they just cut to black. Oh, really? And a lot of stuff. And again, I don't want to spoil it. But things happen where I thought, I truly don't see how this character could come back from this situation. So they don't let us see that. They don't let us see the outcome of it. And it made me so angry, Danny. I cannot stress that enough. To the point where, for me, it like really brought down the film in that last okay. like in that last like thirty seconds. Um, and I genuinely don't think I can think of a film where the ending has changed my opinion that dramatically. Hmm. And I was curious as to what you thought of that, and if you had any. A, f- a film that changes that because I can't think of it I can think of like I, I feel like it's a, it, my, my favourite thing that happened was at the end the movie ended and the credits started rolling and I heard the guy behind me turn to his friend and say well I don't know what I expected seeing a movie at the GFT <laughs> <laughs> which I was like yeah you've kind of hit the nail on the head there a lot of, lot, lot of vagueness and then a lot of cuts to black like, I'm trying to think of a film that Really like 180, um, 180 is you at the end of it, like in the last blue balls, yeah. You, I, well, they're like as in unresolved, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean, just I guess, like, yeah, yeah. I really, I, I think, I definitely think there are a lot of great movies that kind of cut to black and leave a kind of vagueness, Ambiguous. yeah. Um, I think like Martha Marcy May Marlene has a really good ending um that is, is kind of similar i haven't seen that movie in a long time but um so but then you know there's something like the blair witch project where you can watch that and that is a cut to black ending but through the film you can piece together hmm. what has happened like there are there are clues to what has happened whereas with first reformed there is a situation that is unfolding and you don't get to see the result of that situation now and again i can't fucking spoil it this is why I was caught. This is why I didn't really want to talk about it, to be honest. But I do think there is a case for him choosing hope over anger, or I don't know what a better word would be. 
I hope that doesn't spoil it too much again. But in terms of the actual situation, so like you could say for what I'm trying to say is you could say that the character study aspect of it has been resolved. Hmm. The situation is not resolved. And I don't know how the character comes back from the situation he's in. Like after this, what's happening ends. I don't understand. I don't know. Like, Again, this is why I don't want to talk about it. It's really hard to talk about without actually telling you just what happens, but I don't want to do that because I think you should see it. Okay. Um, we just watched a we just watched a Netflix original. Yeah, we did. Danny, you a big big fan of the old Netflix originals? I am. I think okay. this might actually be the second Netflix original we've talked about in this film because we Ooh. did The Bad Batch a while ago. Yeah, that um, was on Netflix. Are you a fan of the Netflix original television shows, Danny? I am a fan of a few of them. I specifically the Crown. <laughs> oh, I'm not following the Crown. The big hoity toity fancy pants show, the Crown. I really like the Crown. I'm a big fan, and uh, I just got to the end of season two. Okay, and um, I don't know if you know about this, but the cast is changing in the Crown. So in season three, all the ca- in order to progress the story along, all the all the obviously the real life people get older at this stage of their lives so they're recasting everyone um so for example claire foy will no longer play the queen she's now going to be played by olivia coleman okay um which is really cool um but because of that i f- they kind of did a kind of mini finale-ish hmm. thing i guess you could say for these sort of characters where all the pl- a lot of the kind of plot threads specifically the main plot thread in kind of season one and two is is Prince Philip bit of a scumbag yeah. <laughs> bit of a cheater um, and so th- all that kind of comes to a head and it was I think one of the best directed episodes of television I've ever seen wow Both I loved it absolutely loved it it is incredible it all revolves around the queen uh, finds out she's pregnant and is told that um, it could be quite a rocky pregnancy so she needs to step away from the throne for a bit and go rest for seven months before the baby is born. So she goes to Scotland to kind of be by herself. And so much of the episode is all just this kind of like internal, like, what's the word? Contemplation Hmm. of what to do. And just like all these gorgeous, gorgeous like Scottish fistas and stuff that she's kind of set against. And um, then kind of at the end it kind of it results in a sort of 15 minute long argument between Prince Philip and the Queen wow. and it's fascinating and it's some of the best acting that's been in the show I, I used to say I've always talked very highly of uh, there's an episode in season one all about Churchill and the, uh, a painter who did a portrait of him and I've always said that was the best episode of it but that it is very King speechy yeah. it's very overly dramatised whereas I think this is like right on the money and I think it's just such a gorgeous gorgeously shot episode gorgeously acted like brilliantly acted episode and like I was wondering what you thought your favourite episode of television if there was like a particular episode of like a TV show that really stood out to you as like a very well directed a particular episode because as soon as the episode was done I looked up that director to find out yeah who he was and he's kind of done a lot of TV but he's done three other episodes of The Crown and I was like, as far as I'm aware, none of them stand out the way that this one stands out. Yeah. Maybe it just says a lot for how good Scotland looks. But Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, one episode, like an episode that is like singled out. There's, um, I would say another Netflix original show that I think has some just on their own outstanding episodes is BoJack Horseman. Yeah, it does. There's, um, it's more animation direction, which mm-hmm. I guess is a whole different school. And I don't guess. I know it's a whole different school anyway. But there is some like episodes where they really play with the format of what mm. it is and there's some ones that like I'm trying to, I'm thinking of the one where they um go through the drug hallucinations and it plays yep. with the form of animation uh there's one at the end of the recent season that focuses on Bojack's um uh mother and it's yeah. like brilliant horrifying yeah. um for such what spoke what you would think is just a uh, an animated co- adult comedy uh, in the vein of something like Family Guy or American Dad, you watch and you're like, oh, "Wow, this is outstanding!" Mm-hmm. Like outstanding. Like I think with animation, you can kind of play around with the format a bit more, and especially with like that kind of. I know it's not a sitcom, but that kind of mm. sitcom style and the short form 
show. Hmm. I think you can, and that's a comedy. You can kind of like play around with the but format it, it, a bit more. Player, like when you're talking, you're talking about it's a show about a talking horse when it really hits like real emotions in a like in a really yeah. profound way. It's um, bizarre. So Netflix are doing some awesome, um, awesome stuff, and they, I guess they. Because they are more content driven, trying to get you in for those that binge watch. They ain't worried about that dollar. No, they've already got your dollar, uh, <laughs> and they've got everybody's dollar. They want them to make it worth you staying. In they can place. afford to dress up Joel Edgerton in orc makeup. They can afford that. They can afford it. Nobody, Peter Jackson, can't afford to do that. Joel Edgerton's not in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but they, Will Smith, they got him. Yeah, I bet they regret. They got that big little. money flying around. What bright? Have you seen it? I've not seen it, no, but no, no, I've I've, I've, um, I've heard terrible, terrible things. Because <laughs> yeah. wasn't that what the director of Suicide Squad? He was like, "This is going to be my comeback." Yeah, and then everyone was like, "Nah, this is also to be also bad." Yeah, I did watch a a video about it though, and I was like, "I actually, watched a video. This about actually, it looks kind of cool." It was like a commentary video, and I was like, "I stopped watching it because I was like, this is actually all right, and I want to see this now." But I still haven't watched it because I hear it's real bad, and I don't want to watch it by myself. Hmm. Um, I feel like that was just an excuse to plug the crown when what I really want to talk about Danny is is the thing we're going to talk about the thing you should introduce watched. the show and then we'll talk about what's it what's up people of Peopleton welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast I'm your host Danny Jones I'm with me Scott Morrison what's happening everybody Danny we do this podcast because yeah. I like talking about movies I like talking about movies specifically I like talking about movies with you Danny it's a good time Yeah, we always have a good gab we we do we really get into it and that's it's, it's sometimes you can find it hard to to find someone who can really really talk about movies you can really connect with yeah really really and has like because um, it's not just when you're talking about movies and you want an interesting movie conversation it's not just an encyclopedic knowledge mm. of movies it's like really it's almost like you're not it's an talking about movies is sometimes an excuse to talk about philo- philosophy and art mm. and stuff like that um, talking of philosophy and art. Where are you going there? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, well, because what I was going to say was, I was wondering how you felt about the fact that because I love talking about movies with you so much, I've made you wait yes. six months or so to watch a film that you really wanted to watch Yeah, so that we could talk about it on the podcast. Can I say that one of the best um, writers, at least in going in Britain right now, is the lovely Alex Garland. Give like, up for bloody... <laughs> guy well he's, he's like he's a guy who's always been there but well, recently... alex guard lad am i right well, guys you're right nailed it you're right, <laughs> you're right as well um he's a guy who's always been there but like recently just he did a lot of writing at first yeah because he did the 28 days 28 later movies days later and, um i'm not sure what he kind of did but he did sunshine hmm. um and he, he did did he not write books before i think he wrote books before yeah and then he's kind of pushed through into this quite like high concept but low budget kind of sci-fi yeah. although I would say this is probably this, this must have had a pretty a high, high budget and uh, we're talking about Annihilation hmm. incidentally um, so I watched it back in I think it came out in February yeah quite a while ago um, and then I was like we're going to do this on Second Opinion and for some reason <laughs> we just have not got around to it and so finally tonight we sat and watched it Danny I'm as excited about this movie right now as I was when yeah. I first saw it so I've seen it twice so I have a bit more of a, like a perspective I guess on like what I've had more happened? I've had more time to think about what I think of the movie first impressions I really really liked it really 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 liked like, really liked it it's such a it's an off the wall film in a in a very oh, I just this it's so thought provoking it's mm. so like I'm still internalizing it. Maybe it's almost wrong to do a, a, a podcast reaction so soon. I after. was gonna say. I was gonna say. Like, I guess then we have both perspectives. You who's had time to think about it, and me who's like, oh my god, what the yeah. hell was that? I also feel like I feel like we don't usually do this, but up top, if you haven't seen this film, I would say don't listen to this. Go watch it, then come back because yeah. I don't want to deprive you of the experience of watching this movie because it is something else don't worry buddy it's on Netflix it's all good you, you are you at your TV right now yeah. stop stop Maybe. listening to this you have a Netflix turn account. over if you don't you you have a friend who has that oh, the annihilation <laughs> <laughs> or you will be annihilated that was my Arnold yeah <laughs> um, yeah so 
Annihilation, do you want to sum it up real quick, even though you definitely should have watched this and you shouldn't be listening to this without having watched it? (laughs) Annihilation um, is about Natalie Portman's character, who is is mourning over her lost husband, who she's presumed is killed in action on a military mission. Uh, She's shocked to find that he turns up. Mm -hmm. He's acting strange. Then she gets um, take. They both get taken away to this military base where um, uh, they get talked to by oh, I can't remember that. Said Jessica, J- no Jason, Jennifer, Jason Lee, Jennifer, Jason Lee, um, who ends up recruiting Natalie Portman to go on a mission to go into this bubble like shimmer. Yeah, the shimmer, which is like a bubble, that uh, one from the outside. It's like a ref- like a bubbly, reflecty, rainbowy um, wall mm-hmm. that um, you can pass through, but ev- anybody who's passed through has never come back. And uh, it's due to, at the beginning, this meteor hits a lighthouse, and they think that the centre of um, the lighthouse is um, what lies wherever this thing is. Also, it's threatening to expand and destroy Yeah, well, the that's world. the issue, is that this thing is expanding. They don't Every time they send people inside it, they don't come back. Natalie Portman is now part of this new group of scientists who is about to be sent in to the Shimmer and find out what's inside. A bloody romp, I'll bet. Um, so, since I first saw this movie, um, I've seen two other movies. Not just two other movies. <laughs> I've seen other movies, but I've seen two movies that I think have either helped me appreciate that more or saw where it's getting I more bet, of its influence I from. Bet a billion pounds what one of them is. It's two thousand one. Two thousand one. I couldn't like it, it's almost almost to Annihilation's detriment. I couldn't stop thinking about two thousand and one because mm. I was like, this is so two. Especially when you get to the end. Yeah, and it's and which is definitely yeah, which is definitely it's not as abstract as the ending of yeah two thousand one A Space Odyssey. It's a lot more on the nose, which I think we'll get round to is maybe one of the things I don't like so much about this film but um, it really does seem to want it does seem to go down that route of just kind of letting whatever whatever the kind of concept of the film is whatever the, the thing is just letting it happen in front of your eyes and you just trying to process it as best you can and it's incredible to watch the again spoilers like big time the sequence at the end with Natalie Portman and the alien is incredible to watch like the the choreography on that and the just how in sync they both are when they're moving is like it's fascinating to watch and um yeah it it just it, it made me think a lot of cuz you're the first time you watch it you're just sitting there and you're like I don't you're just it's, trying to make sense of what's aye, going on, and because you're being hit with colours and surreal imagery, and exactly and like the like, end of two thousand one Space Odyssey, where you are just being hit with colours and imagery, and you're, you know, he, he's in a he's in a spaceship, and he's outside the spaceship, and then he looks back, and the spaceship's gone, and then he's in a bed, and just, and then the movie just ends, and you have to put it together, um, and I think it's incredible. Um, another film that I saw recently was uh, the Tark. Tarkovsky, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. The Tarkovsky film Stalker. Um, so Stalker is a Russian movie. Okay. Ooh, look at me. <laughs> man of the world, man uh, of the I went to Russia to see it. No. <laughs> this is the alternate World Cup. Um, so Stalker is about a very similar topic. Um, it is about... There's, a, there's an area known as the Zone, which has been completely cordoned off like completely government restricted no one can come in um but there are these men called stalkers who can get you into the zone um and the reason people might want to come into the zone is because there are rumors that in the zone there is somewhere called the room and in this room it is said that your deepest desire will be granted and so the film follows a stalker leading a i believe it's been a while since saw it a writer and a scientist into the zone to find this room uh and so you can kind of hear from that how similar the movie is yeah um the interesting thing about stalker is is that there you, there isn't really 
the thing that they do differently from Annihilation is you never really find out what exactly is going on in the zone. And now I understand that happens in Annihilation as well, hmm. but even to the point where, you know, they talk about people disappearing in the zone and, you know, possibly being killed and stuff, but you never see by what or if there even is anything in there or if it's just all mind games or... <clears throat> but it's in, that film is incredible with how they just make a field in Russia feel so terrifying uh-huh. because the way the men have to move around the field is like they have to kind of throw this rock and then move to the rock like it's like a stone on a like a piece of rope and they like throw the stone and then they go to where that is and then they stand there and they throw it again and um the way they do like uh the idea that they're always being watched by something even though you never actually see if anything is watching them it's incredible and it's definitely not as mindfucky when it gets to the end as annihilation it's much more philosophical it's much mm. more about the inner struggle of man foreign movies um but yeah i've seen those two movies recently and i feel like it's helped me kind of see the inspirations for annihilation more Aye. uh and i don't think it's stealing in any way i think it's taking those concepts and just trying to expand on them and trying to tell its own story and it almost it's in the it almost is like a modern day answer to 2001 in that way that um not not in a derivative sense but like in the in what it's trying to do mm-hmm. like it's um especially as uh, like that sort of science that you can't quite grasp mm-hmm. um something that's maybe bigger than us and not quite comprehended i love that i love that at the end the scientists are sort of so what was it i don't know what what did it want well, i don't think it wanted anything it's like well what was it made of no idea and you're like this is the end of the movie <laughs> yeah and it's just like we're too too small yeah. very Lovecraftian in that way mm. like Lovecraft liked uh, doing those sort of themes where um, man would go mad by um, coming across things that they couldn't even comprehend mm. go insane and tear their heads apart trying to understand it very felt very Lovecraftian, especially with all the weird creatures and stuff. Yeah, um, I think it's a damn shame what happened to this film because it kind of got no publicity yeah. at all. Um, it only got a theatrical release in uh, America. Everywhere else, it was straight to Netflix, which you know can be good because more people are just kind of staying at home watching Netflix. I've spoken to a couple of people who. I don't think would have went out yeah, of their way to see this film if it was in the cinema, but I've sat and watched it on Netflix and really enjoyed it, um, which is good. But I just wish there was more of a push for it because what do we get? We get fucking the Ghostbusters reboot, and they they're hanging their they're hanging their bloody coats on the fact that it's an all female cast. We're doing an Ocean's Eight reboot. Oh, it's all females now. It's all the, and that's the selling point. Hmm. Annihilation. Like, it's just this very well-crafted sci-fi film that has an all-female cast. Aye. And no one's fucking talking about it because no one's heard about it. And it's a damn shame because Ghostbusters reboot and Ocean's 8, it's a matter of opinion, are not very good. (laughs) Um, And whereas this is incredible and no one fucking knows it exists. And it's like, this is the film, man. Like, this is the the all-female cast, the, the strong female leads where it's not constantly fucking hit home that they're females they don't destroy the alien by shooting it in the balls like they do in Ghostbusters like <laughs> they're just characters who are women Aye. and that's the way it's incidental it, that's the way it should be Aye. it should there shouldn't always there shouldn't be a big song and dance about it every time but it's a damn shame that it's not happening for this one at least because it it should because more people should fucking see it because it's such a fucking interesting movie and I love it I love it. I feel like the first time I saw it, I was like, I was like, I really, really like it, and I feel like I just saw it now, and I'm like, I love it. Yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone, Danny, how you didn't recognize probably one of the most famous male actors in the I world know. right now? I well, I did recognize Who's that guy. It was really annoying. Who's that guy that's playing the husband. Yeah. You right. idiot. All right. Okay. You idiot. Bloody big Oscar Isaac, mate. Poe Dameron. The guy from uh, what was that movie he was in with Viggo Mortensen? 
two days in India or something. I don't remember. Oh. I always think <laughs> the way, like, because like Oscar Isaac, he's he he can be quite good at like changing his appearance. Quite Llewellyn Davis. Yeah, I always think of him as Llewellyn Davis, like. Um, Inside of my, I always think of that as like. It's funny, the I always think of that. I think it's because it's the first thing I remember seeing. Yeah, yeah, me too. So I always think of that as Oscar Isaac, mm. and every variation on that is like, oh, you're not quite the Oscar Isaac I know. Yeah, um, he's very. He's not in it much though. No. Yeah. He's uh yeah he's almost like he's almost like the thing that drives the plot because that's what Natalie Portman's mm. in there for to try and help her husband, but um. He's good. He's he, like he's very. He's just such a good actor. Yeah. Whatever scene he's in, he just completely like he's he's captivating and all of like. What do you think Oscar Isaac's best look has been? Um, since he's a, a chameleon. Obviously, X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, he's a big purple boy. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Not a fan of that. I like him in X Machina. He is good. Oh, he looks good. He always oh, looks so different. In he's that, a though. handsome boy in X Machina. He's all he buff, so different. wearing those white tank tops, shaved head, big beard, yeah. glasses. Yeah, he's a smart buff boy. Everybody wants to be a smart buff boy. It's the <laughs> ultimate boy to be. <laughs> it's yeah. what we should all achieve. It's what we should all sorry aspire to. <laughs> He's he's very good of of doing that, almost like that Johnny Depp in his earlier career, where Johnny mm. Depp could just like he, he was, he, you didn't just think of him as this default thing. I wish he was a real chameleon now, and he would get out of our movies, mate. Oh, Johnny Depp, I thought yeah. you meant Oscar. Oh no, no Oscar Isaac, no Oscar Isaac's great until it turns out he's not. Maybe who knows? Maybe maybe he'll have the film. I feel like it's just a so. constant drum roll for every male actor <laughs> working in Hollywood. He's just like, like I like him, unless he's done something wrong. In which case. Uh, um. Yeah, Natalie. What do you think of Natalie Portman in this? She's very good. Like, Natalie Portman is just like, again, like it's almost weird that to think that they might not have acted in a film together, Oscar mm. Isaac and Natalie Portman, because they're both just powerhouses mm. in acting. Especially when you, um, even halfway through that film, I was like, remember you and Leon, the professionals? Yeah, so long You're ago. Such now. A, like you have an amazing career where you've just been good your whole entire mm. life, even when you're a small child. Like the, you. I think her worst film is four because she's bland. In I'd it. say maybe her worst film was Star Wars. Uh, I was just Ooh. as soon as I said four, I thought Star Wars. The films that she doesn't seem to take much interest in, but like when she's <laughs> enthusiastic about the project, remember Viva Vendetta? Yeah, she's great in Viva Vendetta, like, which is a film that is, I think, becoming like more and more relevant as the days go by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but she's just a powerhouse, and like in this, like she's not even like she almost doesn't have a lot to do as a character but it's because there's quite a lot of it that's just reacting to mm. stuff but she still holds it in a very subtle way like mm-hmm. she holds like every scene like, I'm repeating the same but every scene she's in she holds it she's like she's not just she's not just there she's like mm-hmm. she is that character she's reacting to all these things in a really stern way I really like she's just she's just amazing mm. I agree how do you feel about I feel like uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is putting in an odd performance yes with the sort of very muted kind of grumbly attitude that she has and yeah it is very bizarre and you do kind of learn offhandedly that she's got cancer yeah it feels very offhanded yeah um again it's one of the kind of moments there are definitely there are there are things we will talk about that might not be as good but well it's just weird because like it, there's this bit where the, um, the guy the framing device is like but you knew she was ill and I'm like well why wouldn't that hinted to us somehow like I don't know something it mm-hmm. feels weird that Natalie Portman oh I knew she was ill but the audience are like what when were you gonna yeah. what? why has that come out of nowhere yeah that's why she's okay with going to the lighthouses because she's going to die anyway, anyway so she might so. as well see what's happening we saw this we saw this I think the other uh, three cast members are all very very good as well yeah. I particularly like uh, there is a scene where I am blanking because I don't actually think I know any of their names Dan. Tessa Thompson T- which one was Tessa Thompson was she the one that goes crazy yeah does she go crazy then Tessa Thompson I thought put in a really good uh, maybe performance I should double in, check that but yeah I'm pretty sure Tessa Thompson's the one who goes crazy yeah uh, in the scene where she kind of has everyone tied up which we will I wanted to I actually we'll just fucking talk about that scene right now that scene I think is like a mark of how like excellently directed this film is because 
that scene starts one way and develops in a completely different way to how I think anyone expects it to go. You know what I mean? Yes. Where it, the scene opens up and it's kind of almost going down the route of the thing where we're going to see who the, the man is. And then by the end of it, through this kind of bear attack, you learn that, you know, by the end of that se- sequence, you've learned that, like, uh, the... The way... What am I trying to say? The way that the cells are working, it's like when the bear killed the girl, part of her became part mm. of the bear, and, like... I, this must not make sense to anyone who's not seen it, so uh-huh. I hope you have watched it. But um, I think, like, the way that whole sequence develops, it feels... It just goes in such a different... Like, a way you're not expecting, where mm. you think, okay, she's going to kill one of them, or she's going to cut one of them open, or something crazy is going to happen, and then it's like, oh, no, we're going to use this scene to explain a totally different aspect of the film. Mm. Um, but I think it all feels really natural. Like, by the, end, by the time you get to the end of that scene, you're like, yeah, it all makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, build like a, yeah, it builds piece by piece. And yeah, that's a really, it's a really good scene. It like you, it conveys so much as you say. Without mm. it, gives you like some exposition about the way the biology of the place works, but also shows you the insight of the characters. And it's conveying the was it she kind of confirms that both theories that they had could be true. Yeah, like either they're killed by something or they kill each other. Like both are kind of happening. So, um, yeah, I just think it's a really, a really kind of massively done scene that you know. I think the kind of standouts are the end sequence. Um, my favorite moment in particular is the um, they have this explanation for uh, how the plants are taking on human genes. Yeah, and so they are growing with human shape. So you have these plants where they look they look like people. It's very haunting. It's in, it's incredibly haunting, and uh, it kind of it kind of reminds me of something like. Um, like the destruction of like Pompeii or something hmm. when they talk oh, about yeah. finding people you know encased in ash and buried in ash and things like that um, it kind of made me think of something like it looks like a nuclear holocaust has gone off yeah but instead of being you know brown and dirt it's bright and colourful and floral which is something Aye. you don't expect from you wouldn't expect something to be called haunting and floral mm. but um, I think the scene where uh, one of the characters kind of realizes that she's not going to make it out and doesn't want to find out what's in the lighthouse and kind of just succumbs to the cells, like the, the sort of flower cells that are obviously joining with her. She just kind of lets herself succumb to it and she wanders off into the bushes. Natalie Portman chases after her and she's just confronted with a field of these flower statues and one of them. I guess yeah. it's this woman, but you'll never know. Yeah, she starts turning Flora, yeah, she yeah. starts running, so it's uh Yeah, I forgot about that. That's such a strange Because I think it's like... that I really like the the way she kinda of comes to that conclusion where the idea of the you know, dying in pain like because obviously she hears the bear screaming and it sounds like her friend. And she's like, imagine that, you know, that that pain and like that that fear being the only thing of you that lives on. She's like, I wouldn't want that. And she kind of just like lets herself because she's been the scared one the whole film. Yeah, she just lets herself become peaceful and just succumbs to it and just passes in a really peaceful way. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the colors in this movie. We could just move on to that because we're talking about it. Anyway. I, the, it's an amazing looking film, especially for a low budget. Well, mm. lowish. Yeah, low, we don't know what the enough. budget was. I wonder what the budget was. Should we bloody find out? Have a look at it. How much money they get? Let's play. How much money did they give Alex Garland this time? <laughs> <laughs> um, considering it the, for the rest of the world, it went straight to Netflix. I can't imagine it's a high budget film. Mm. Um, especially because I don't think many people are gonna let. Even Alex Garland, Garland go around with their money making this a film this surreal. It was made on a budget of forty to fifty-five million, according to Wikipedia. For a film like this, that's not a lot. Yeah, and it grossed forty-two point nine million, but I guess that's only talking cinematically. Yeah, which... that's box office, which it was only released in America, so mm. and no one knew about it, so no one saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very colourful film. It looks um... the kind of the rainbow effect coming through yeah. the shimmer which is in almost every scene so the sky is 
not a normal sky. The sky is a rainbow. And that kind of like permeates through every scene. And it's really beautiful. Um, Because it, it, it's quite, it's not, it's not a bad looking movie outside the shimmer. But, no. you know, it's not it's not particularly startling. And then when they get in, and it becomes really bright. Uh, that is another thing I think they might have taken from Stalker. Okay. Because Stalker, before they get into the zone, is in black and white. And then when they're in the zone, it's in colour. Um, kind of like The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, maybe he was referencing The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but um, I think maybe that's like another thing you maybe got from Stalker. Just because right. it seems similar. Yeah, yeah. Um... Not as kind of on the nose as it's black and white and then it's colour. But um, it's definitely a much brighter film when they get into the shimmer. Um, so, I guess like there's kind of an aspect of the film that sticks out to me. Or it stuck out to me at first that I, I didn't like. But this time I think maybe I'm with it a bit more. So, when they first get into the shimmer, um, they, Natalie Portman wakes up in her tent. Hmm. Yeah, what appears to be on the first night, but oh, they you know they're like oh no we've this doesn't make sense like we we we've eaten enough to have been traveling for I can't remember what the exact day is but it's like we've eaten enough to be traveling for four days or hmm. um and like oh that's weird because they're getting out of camp and the exact line like they're getting out of tents that they've camped up and their exact line is I don't remember camp setting up the camps yeah that's it yeah they, they don't, don't have things to have a memory of it so time is kind of moving in a strange way or it's playing with their memories that is never revisited no at all yeah because it also at the very very beginning the framing device where he's she's be uh, natalie portman's been interrogated he asks what would still be a legitimate question in it he's like what did you eat because mm. you only had enough rations for two weeks and you were there for was it four months yeah i think they were allegedly there for four months what did you eat it's not really yeah yeah so the way the time works so I that was what I was going to say I think with that line where he's like you were you know you were in there for four months I assume that time in the shimmer works differently yeah it's not just a case of them forgetting things time literally works in a different way and and so I think when they say that Oscar Isaac's character is supposed to have been in there for about a year 12 months I think that's 12 months human time in the shimmer that could be very little time because when uh, the the character before she turns into flowers you know she says how long was your husband in here she says about a year and she says that's a very long time to last in here because in their minds they've only been there a few days yeah but they've apparently been there for four months you know what i mean yeah so i think time operates differently and i think that scene sets that up and i think just through those kind of little moments of conversation I think you can draw that from it and I don't think it needs to be kind of dug into further you know what I mean like I think the movie has bigger things to deal with yeah. than how time works hmm. I guess it's just one of those things of like it, maybe it's this is because of this kind of film you always you're going to have this idea of like is it connected to something and we're just missing it because it's almost like well why why yeah. why have time different it doesn't need to work differently that seems bizarre um is it just so that Natalie Portman could say my husband's gone, been gone mm. for 12 months? Um, or is there a reason within the universe of why? So maybe, it, as I say, it could just be something that we just haven't picked up on. There's, it could be related thematically. It could be... It could be a, related a thematically in that maybe there's no no reason for it. or You know what I mean? Like, uh, like maybe it doesn't need to be explained because like there can be no explanation for it. It's just a thing that happened amongst all these other things that happened. But I don't know. But I think I'm with it more this time. Hmm. It was definitely the big thing that stood out to me. was like, why introduce this and then never come back to it? Like, why introduce that as the first thing? Uh, like, the very first thing they talk about is the fact that, you know, they don't remember setting up camp and things like that. And you're like, ooh, where's this going to go? You can really feel the film build into something intense, though, can't you? Yeah. I think the first time you really, you really get a sense of it is uh, there's a scene where they find a video camera that's been left over by Oscar Isaac's team ah. which shows Oscar Isaac manically cutting open the stomach of a man to reveal this these worm-like creatures like moving through his stomach and I feel like you watch that scene and you're like 
this is going to go to some crazy fucking places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to that swimming pool afterwards, the empty swimming pool, and at mm. the bottom there's... I get, is it that guy that they filmed cutting the Yeah, I was... Yeah. Who's exploded into mm-hmm. some sort of fungi which, skeleton which we were saying monster. Again, maybe borrowing from things. I think it does have a very Last of Us look to it, does, it, doesn't it? The whole kind of... I guess because it has to... Is that based on that fungi sort mm. of thing? Like, There's a lot of a Last of Us vibe to it. Mm. Which could be very well... Like, it could be a, another thing that... You know, because Last of Us does kind of have that whole nature reclaiming yeah there and stuff and um it's kind of what the shimmer had going for it as well um i also so the other thing that i don't like and i still don't like it this time is the interview with natalie portman that it keeps coming back to the frame and device of the whole thing is yeah like her being interrogated yeah because um, by scientists i i don't want to sound like a big like I'm trying to be a big spy boy, but I feel like that is just there so that they can Intending, anything that the yeah. audience isn't understanding. We can be like, "Here's the guy from Doctor Strange to explain the scene to you." It's like because the scene will end, and he's like, "So you lost three of your teammates, and y'all didn't know where you were." And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, we kn- we just watched it. Why do we need to be like reiterated that? Like we just saw it happen." Aye. And part of me does think, did they just put in that that in there because they thought the film would maybe be too complicated and so they thought let's just every now and again cut back to Doctor Strange's friend just have him reiterate what's happening it's like, just spell it out <laughs> sometimes it's um, used to like to give context of what Natalie Portman's thinking in those like mm. in the scenes where you cut back and go were well, you thinking this and it feels like a a slight less than graceful way for someone like Alex Garland to have done it someone, yeah like, a writer with so much obvious it kind of feels a bit like Maybe because DSX doesn't really have that. No, and it does make me think that like maybe someone higher up was like, "You should put this in." <laughs> and maybe like a compromise to, mm. to make it seem more universal. Yeah, which I guess is fair enough. Because I also think it really gives away. We'll get to the end in a minute, but it does give away the fact that at least a version of Natalie Portman gets out. Yeah right off the bat and I hate when movies do that I hate hmm. when they give away like in a film like that you know you know Mark Zuckerberg survives to the end of the social network but you know you don't know that uh, Natalie Portman's character survives to the end of uh, Annihilation yeah um, and so I'm not a big fan of that no as, as they say in Rick and Morty you should begin your stories at the beginning uh-huh. <laughs> it's a bit derivative to do the sort of framing device like yeah. that yeah um, should we talk about the ending the, like ending. the ending ending the ending ending the 2001 ending so how do you think that came about because so at the at the end natalie portman's character who we assume is still natalie portman mm-hmm. because natalie portman manages to get the alien that's trying to become like natalie portman she's trying to get it to mimic her so that she can give it a grenade and burn the whole thing down, yeah. which she succeeds at, and then she gets out of the shimmer. And um, at the end of the film, she goes through to Oscar Isaac, and she, you know, I forget his name. I forget all their names. Yeah, the only name I remember is Shepherd. Kane. And that, Kane. The only name I remember is Shepherd, and that's because they shout it a lot when she gets eaten by the bear. Oh, real quick, the edit where the bear eats Shepherd. It's a bad edit. I think. Oh, I think, yeah. I, Do you know I think, what I'm on about? Yeah, because I think I even remarked on it. It's like, a weird cut. It's because the, the the there's two characters already um, outside, and the other three go to meet him, and it kind of cuts weirdly to because obviously when when you're directing, you've got to make sure you know geographically where all your characters mm. are, otherwise the audience could get lost. It kind of cuts to a character who you're not quite yeah. sure why they're there, and their bear attacks them, and it kind of comes. But up you don't even say it happens so quickly you don't get a second to process who it was yeah. or where it was compared to where the other two characters were talking mm. it's just so out of nowhere I remember the first time we watched it 
if I remember, I watched it with uh, Michael Kelly, friend of the podcast, and our friend Leona as well. I'm pretty sure we had to rewind it back. Yeah. To be because we were like, what the fuck? Just what? What was that? I'm like, because it was so strange. It's not a great edit. I remember. It's a bad edit. I remember when it's it the came one. Out. It's the. It, I would say it's the main moment of just like straight up filmmaking that I'm like, oh, that's yeah. Oh, someone should have just just done a little. You know, got another shot you could cut to, yeah. maybe. or could I you at least shot. hear it, hear it approaching, or just anything. Um, so I just contextualize where everyone is at that point and what's happening. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So sorry. So at the end of the film, she goes through to Kane. Hmm. And he says, you're not the real Kane. And he says, I don't think so. And he says, are you the real Natalie Portman? And she doesn't answer. And then they get up and hug. And you see their eyes change. And you're like, oh damn, it's the alien, bruv. But, now that I'm saying it out loud, she might have killed that version of the alien that was trying to... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Mimic. Mimic, yes. I was thinking of manipulate. I was like, it's all right. Mimic. She may have killed that, but given that the cells in the Shimmer are always adapting and changing, presumably she has something in her now. Hmm. And that's what's coming through, because maybe it's all the alien. Because everything is refracting. Hmm. So if if she's come into contact with that alien, then presumably... In order, because she says cells are always dying, they multiply to survive. Has it moved into her like like the same way that you know the the other girl turned into plants, Mm. (laughs) or you know the bear could scream like a human and yeah, like maybe part of her because it's almost this this, um, one biological being. Yeah, is the that's almost the alien. It's almost like a you hear about those. like a forest that's uh, all connected rooting is a technically one mm. big living organism. That's this. Like every, it seems that the point of the the alien is that everything within its um, like it's connected to everything mm. biologically, um, including the animals, and then including the humans that the animals consume or is consumed into the environment by turning into flower people, um, and that maybe part of that's the real Natalie Portman that gets out. But part of her is now yeah. part of the um, biological system within yeah. the Shimmer. Uh, and perhaps Oscar Isaac is the same. Oh no, the Oscar Isaac, I feel like it's a bit, maybe... The more, Oscar Isaac one is a bit more kind of clearer because he dies. He does, Kane, the real Kane, I think, definitively does kill himself. Yeah, because yeah. he dies like a human being. But then at the same time, he does, on the tape, he says, I think I used to be human. Yeah, he describes his own skin as liquid, actually. Yeah, so maybe... Because he says, like, I, I have... Me- I think I used to be human. I have memories. But... That could be just the way that the alien... The way that the alien that's mimicking him is, is mimicking him so much that it's now getting his memories. Mm. And I don't know. It's fucking... In- it's an it's, in- it's weird, interesting it? to talk about, isn't it? Or maybe there's that, so many different ways it could have gone. Or maybe this is just equal. By the time you get that ingre- integrated to the bio- bio- like the biology of the system, maybe it doesn't matter who was the real one. You're both mm. part of that system Yeah, anyway. part of that same... Um, so maybe that's how it works. It's so bizarre, and it's very 2001. I think the best part about it is it's however you interpret it. In the same way that 2001 is, it's you, however, it's yeah. whatever you bring to it, um, whatever you f- um, bring to it is is how it you could interpret it, and it leaves it basically up to you. I don't think it's very definitive, yeah, um, but it is definitely bizarre. not. Um, yeah, because the, the this is the kind of movie that I fucking live for. Like, I did my whole dissertation, ten thousand words about sort of ambiguous movies and interpreting movies in your own way and the different ways that the same movie can be interpreted so mm. I fucking live for this shit so this is like speaks to me man I'm on I'm on it's level <laughs> I wanna I love it I love it so you much you wanna tear the film apart and figure out what 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 I wanna tear apart like a little puzzle I wanna set it up on my floor find on the like corners a little, on like a little tray thing find, find the, the corners why sometimes I want like a challenge I want to set it up on a little tray, then every night I push it under the sofa. I'll get back to that. Yeah, I'll get back to that tomorrow. 
when you're when you're puzzle, a big puzzle how yeah, many I'm puzzle pieces do you think this puzzle would be it's 100 what is that 115 minutes uh so what's that if we say it's what 15 what we say 11,500 pieces <laughs> go for it <laughs> what no why not indeed eh? <laughs> I don't really know how it works but 115 pieces We're, seems too small uh, doesn't it a child could do that <laughs> a child could not indeed you add another that. fucking thousand to that bad boy uh, ooh that child's gonna struggle mm. or just get bored halfway through probably get bored halfway through yeah because the colours aren't even halfway through so they're... Uh-huh. Um, so what did you think of the monster designs I think the the bear is terrifying mm. Um, it did take me a minute the first time to kind of work out what it was, but this time I kind of realized like it is it is just a bear that's rotting away. Yeah, and it? it's really it's just really horrifying to look at. A bear's skull is weird, <laughs> but it looks like a bit because I thought it looked like a bear crossed with a sort of deer. Hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. What it, is. it looks very bad. Yeah, I, I see what you mean with like decomposed bear. It looks kind of like that. But then it's so bizarre because then like you see like some deer-like creatures later, and they're almost as the bear looks like a deformed version of the bear, and there's a, a crocodile that looks like the deformed version of a crocodile. The deers look almost like their own different creature. Mm. There was there was a theory about the deers, and I can't remember what it was. I think it had something to do with again what we were literally just talking about—the whole idea that everything in the shimmer is all sort of connected and that pieces of everything are in everything else hmm. that the two deer that she sees because they're together and so kind of in sync is what's it to do with like that that's supposed to be Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaacs in that form and they've been reunited but now I'm thinking there's the whole mimicking thing because they move so in sync together. Yeah. Like, so in sync. Yeah. But then they're not from this world. Like, they're strange little white deer. Hmm. They don't like from this world. Strange little white deer. My favourite indie... My favourite folk singer. <laughs> strange little white deer. Aye. My new, the new Bonnie Vera album. Check it out. He's going back to his roots. Oh, this electronic does, yeah. shite. He's going... <laughs> that does sound like it. It does sound like so important. I'd listen. Yeah. We all would. <laughs> um... Yeah, but I'm sure there was a theory to do with it. I Why guess- don't you talk? I'll see if I can find it. Um, you were talking about creature design. Creature design, the because uh, it comes out with a crocodile. I'm expecting bizarre creature designs. I like it kind of starts off with just a, what seems like a normal crocodile and then shows that there is something not quite right with it. It's got weird teeth. Mm. Such strange teeth. Weird teeth. Um... And obviously there's the environment design, which is kind of part of that, um, with like these crystal trees towards the lighthouse. The crystal trees are gorgeous, yeah. I, um, and uh, there's so much, yeah, like biology to it all, uh, including the coloured, like multicoloured fungi that grows up the trees. Mm-hmm. So many bizarre colours and so many bizarre sights. Where are the twinned deer creatures... Like those weird deer coming from. It seems as if the anomaly works along patterns similar to those of cell division, producing both repetition and difference. It's why the deer look and leap alike, but with subtle variations. It's also why Lena's Boganer mirrors her intentions, hitting her first when she tries to attack it, for example, more than her exact movements. Uh, I do notice. So what... is it trying to insinuate that the one one of the deers is a real deer, and then the other one is? In... The other one is mimicking it? Dunno. Don't look like a real deer. Um I did notice that at the end when like the, the aliens mimicking Natalie Portman and it's not quite right. It's not a hundred percent correct, which is really bizarre. Mm. But like that, it's like it's trying to keep up. Because mm. it's always like just a little fraction. But it also of knows when to move when it's not necessarily looking at her. Yeah. But it doesn't always get it hundred percent right. So there's there's some sort of weird variation in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So yeah, visually, in conclusion, visually, it's uh, the the creatures and the world that they're exploring through. You just want to see more. You just want to keep going and see more and more. Definitely, and more. yeah, yeah. Because there isn't 
there's not a whole lot of sort of creature. There's enough, I think, yeah. to give you an idea of what could be going on in this in this world. You always get the sense that there's something nearby, or there's something kind of. It's a very eerie film. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you finally got to watch it. I know. I'm, I'm such a big fan of Alex Garland. I must admit that this might lead into a conversation. Actually, I must admit when uh, I saw this trailer, I was like super excited. I was like, oh my god, this is. I like Natalie Portman. I like Alex Garland. It sounds like such a weird. Who's premise. that man? <laughs> who's that? Who's that man playing the I husband? I don't remember him being in the trailer. Maybe he was. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, and I was like so excited for it to be released. But there is something that took the the wind out my sails when it turned out it was just going to be released on Netflix. Mm. Whereas, like, I would have definitely got up and saw it the first day if it went to the cinema. But then when I found, oh, by the way, it's on Netflix, you're like, oh, okay. I'll just I watch it whenever I get round to it. And how would you feel? How would you? F- um, how do you think that the apparatus of watching it on Netflix affected the viewing today? I do. I did wonder. I think um, it was when <laughs> it was when we were watching the kind of ending scenes, and my flatmate was fucking bumbling about, playing his music really loud and fucking stomping through the room, and I was like, "This would have been good in the cinema to like really immerse yourself." Aye, there is a weird thing like um, like that. I don't mind watching films on Netflix at all, obviously, um, but it's such a shame a film like that that you we couldn't have just gone mm. and seen the cinema. Not like you obviously got distractions around you. Um, we still did make a big event out of it when it came out, though. Like I had Michael and Leon around, and we like shut all the curtains, turned down all the lights, there and is like, like sat in silence and watched it. Mm. And we kind of did the same with uh, Mute, mm. the Duncan Jones film. When that came out, we kind of made that into like this is this is a like an event movie that just happens to be on the TV, so we will watch it as an event movie. Like, all distractions gone, just watch the film. But it's a shame that there might be people who are not quite the cinephiles as us who would, would go in like, oh, well, I'm on my phone. I'm uh, yeah. I'm half looking at this article, half looking at Facebook. Oh, what are oh, that? Oh, an election's supposed to be good. I'll stick it on in the background. Uh, oh, what, should we eat my bear or what? Uh, all right. I, and eventually, like... Towards the end, the mirror and stuff happens. You go, ah, ten. I don't think I quite. And then you go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, put, I watched Annihilation. I watched it. Yeah, I didn't finish it. It's fucking it. weird. It's boring. Uh, and it's I, weird. I got to that yeah. bit. I, I didn't quite understand what's happening, so I took it off. And like, there's something so demanding about a cinema. Um, obviously, that, like obviously. you have to sit. And yeah. watch. But I mean, I, we've talked about that in the past. That kind of, I f- often not so much since we not definitely not so much since we started doing this podcast. I think it's helped a lot with this but like I used to kind of if I saw a film in the cinema I had like so much to say about it but a lot of the time if I saw a film on DVD I would usually just be like yeah it was good hmm. like or I would have like maybe like a point or two but I was just like yeah it was cool or it was shit I didn't like it I was bored but now I feel like now that we kind of do this I just it's just like any other kind of experience um, but I'm all about the like. Obviously, we're cinema people, like, or we're, we're film people. So, like, if I watch a movie, it's like the phone is away and like ah, the lights are off, and I'm watching the film, and like everyone better shut up. But it's a shame that this film, that it's most like probably the majority of its audience that watch it in, say, Britain, are just gonna watch it maybe passively. Yeah, because it's, it's got Natalie Portman. Yeah, it's got Natalie Portman. And it looks got aliens. Um, it's like imagine like I feel like it's a film that's kind of got a similar sort of vibe in terms of aliens under the skin imagine just watching that as a Netflix original passively mm. which just couldn't quite work the same I am um, somebody posted about under the skin on reddit the other day and I was reading through all the comments and it was making me really sad why is that because everyone was like I didn't get it I what? went to see it with a friend of mine who really disliked it Mm-hmm. But then he's not. He's, he wasn't. He wasn't like he was a cinephile. He just saw there's an alien film with Scarlett Johansson. I really like the Avengers. Let's mm-hmm. go see it. And I remember coming out of going, oh, that was so bizarre and fascinating. I thought it was really, really interesting. He was like, I didn't understand what was going on though. Like, it's it's definitely not for everyone. I get, well, that's again, that's another film that uses like I know a lot because a lot of the comments I were I was reading were from people who had read the book and said they wished it had kind of it had been more like the book and there was a lot of things from the book that were missed out and the book is a lot more like obvious about what's going on 
I like that the film kind of became an experiment in keeping that abstract. And then I feel like when you get to the end and it's revealed that what she is, in my mind, the whole film suddenly makes sense. And then it's like, I'm excited to go back and see it again because I'm like, I get it now. And now I want to go watch it with that context. Did you go in th- uh, not knowing she was an alien? I had no idea. I remember it being I had premise. no idea what was going Like, I didn't, like, understand what she was supposed to be. Uh... I remember it would be in the premise. I remember I went in knowing she was an alien because it was the it was about an alien. Like, the, the film sold itself as about an alien that goes around <laughs> Glasgow. You ever see that sequel to About a Boy? About an alien. About an alien. <laughs> Sorry, Scarlett Johansson. And an old... The guy from X-Men, I forget his name. I'm not good with actors' names, apparently. What's the guy from X-Men that plays Beast? Um, Who was the boy in About a Boy? Nicholas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be so ridiculous. Yeah. We don't like saying it in the rain. I still thought of Kelsey Grammer. She was like, the guy who played Beast. And I was like, Kelsey Grammer was not in Under the Kelsey Grammer wasn't the boy in About a Boy. (laughs) not about the boy, I Um... Yeah, I love Under the Skin. It's another one that I'm a big fan of. I haven't seen it in a long time. But sometimes I like walking through Buchanan Galleries and thinking, Scar Johnson was here. Yeah. I meant all that. It's bizarre. Scar Joe. Sometimes I walk down uh, Argyle Street and I'm like, so where she fell. I meant all that. And then I want to fall where she fell and be like, <laughs> ah, now I'm under the skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, do you have do you have anything else you want to say? No, I felt like the yeah. What I wanted to talk the idea of it being a Netflix original. That's the that's where I wanted. Um, that's the main thing I wanted to say. Much like the time they have when they go into the annihilation, uh, when they go into the Shimmer Danny. This has been a bloody romp. Um, well, that's cool. We can just we can bloody hightail out because yeah. it's getting late. Getting late. You got trains. I've got trains. I'm gonna go to bed. Bed. I'm gonna go to bed after I get my train. Go to bed in like an hour maybe. Oh, I'm bed right now. Right now, baby. Bragging. I am, I'm bragging. <laughs> you better fucking believe it. Uh, where can people find us now? They can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Second Opinion. Um, that's second with a two. Sweet. Okay. Should we talk? Should we maybe mention what we're thinking the plan might be? Or can do. Do you think we should Some just leave that in case it doesn't? Um, so, like, the podcast has been really sporadic recently. Mostly <laughs> just because it's summer. Hmm. Lots of things happen. More work holidays sun shines and you don't want to stay inside and watch movies um so it's been a bit sporadic recently but so there was kind of no episode when there was meant to be an episode and now this is going to be an episode where there wasn't meant to be an episode and it's all going to be a bit strange but so what we were thinking was the next episode is our 50th hmm. 50 episodes baby. 50th 50th anniversary 50th episodes and so we thought we've had this idea for a while to do an episode about the movie Drinking Buddies hmm. and get really drunk while we watch it and then review Drinking Buddies after the fact. And we thought maybe we'd get like a couple of people in. Like I'd quite like to get Michael Kelly on because he's been on a bunch of them. And um, maybe like William or something. Hmm. And um, just have like a really... Just see how that goes. Just see what kind of madness we create. And then from there, we'll move into season three where I think we're really going to try and capitalize on this, like, we're going down the weird route. Yeah. We're finding stranger stuff and just trying to just dissect these odd, odd movies that, like, we haven't heard of or wouldn't watch by ourselves or anything. And, and we s- thought we would try and start with, because we got so excited about talking about it, we thought we would try and start with Wired. Yes. The film about... John Belushi. Uh, John Belushi, yeah. Um, if we can find... Uh, way to watch it which currently the only way seems to be a copy on YouTube but who knows it could be part of the fun um, so it's a bit of housekeeping yeah hopefully it all plays out like that but that's why it's been so sporadic and weird it's because I'm shit and just got such a hectic lifestyle oh, such a so busy and I'm, I'm did I tell you I'm going to be a man of the world next week I'm going to Benador <laughs> such a man of the world I'm going to hot Britain <laughs> <laughs> while Britain's hot go to Blackpool but hot Hotter than Blackpool. Or hotter as. No donkeys on the beach, though. Or will there be? Who knows? Are there still donkeys on the beach at Blackpool? I don't know. Donkeys on the Beach is my favourite album that Bon Iver released after. <laughs> strange. Was it? Stra- white deer. Strange little white deer or whatever the fuck I said. I don't know. We were talking before we started recording about 
how sometimes I listen back to the podcast and I'm like, what are you saying, Scott? And but it's just that thing of you're just talking. You're on a podcast, so you just you say what comes to your mind because that makes it fun. And with that, JK Simmons. JK Simmons. Good night, everybody. See you at the 50th. God bless. See you at the 50th. Yeah, I guess so. Boy. Helplessly hoping.